Our lesson this evening comes from Jonah chapters 3 and 4. I put these together because I thought to help us give, a, give us a better view of what we're looking at. We, we all probably are familiar, familiar with Jonah enough to know that in chapter 3, that was where, as we're going to see, that Nineveh does indeed repent. But where I want to put our main focus this evening is in chapter 4 with Jonah and his attitude towards those events that happened in chapter 3 and really Jonah's attitude in general. And so I want to show this evening we can learn from Jonah's attitude toward Nineveh. It's very clear to me that in these four chapters that Jonah had a big problem with the people of Nineveh. But we might say, I think we can say also that it went much further than that. Jonah had a very big problem when it came to his character. And we're going to look at that here this evening. Throughout Scripture we find, or we see rather, that mankind should rejoice over those who repent before God. We find in numerous accounts and with the parables, when Christ gives the parables referencing those who are lost, He always talks about how there's rejoicing over those who are found. He gives a parable of you know, the lost coin, of the lost child, and, the, and those types of parables that really help us understand the importance of those who come back to God. And Jonah is no different. We find the importance of those who come back to God. But we find, though, that Jonah's attitude is not one that God approves of. It is one instead that's quite the opposite. One that God would, as we're going to find in a few moments, would discuss with Jonah in chapter 4. Before we get to chapter 4, though, we want to look at chapter 3. Looking at the repentance of Nineveh. And we find here, this is Jonah preaching to Nineveh. And this is the second time that Jonah is called to go to Nineveh. Now, we know that Jonah was called to go to Nineveh the second time because he didn't go the first time, right? He, he refused. He ran away. And in chapter 2, we find he, has, he repents before God. But Jonah still had some other things he had to deal with. Well, I think about Jonah. I think about how God... I think about how God takes imperfect people and tries through His Word for us today mold us into what we ought to be before Him. Jonah was an imperfect person, but Jonah was not one that which God gave up upon, was he? If God was going to give up on Jonah, He would have done so in chapter 2. But He doesn't. Instead, He calls to Jonah the second time in chapter 3, and Jonah, as we're going to see here in a few moments, would go to Nineveh and he would preach the message which God had given him to preach and he would fulfill the command that God had given him. Now I think in all reality, that's really about as far as Jonah went when it came to Nineveh. He was going to go do it because God told him to. I think we really still see there's still some problems with Jonah. But let's look at chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 through 4. We find here the call, the response, and the message to Nineveh in Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Here the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. You notice there the message there is one that he says that God will give him, not one that Jonah was just going to make up on the fly. It wasn't one that's going to be determined by Jonah at all. God was the one in verse 2 who determined the message that was to be delivered. Jonah had no part in the message other than he was the delivery system. 
God was the one who determined the message. You think about that for a moment. Has that really changed today? God's already determined the, the message, right? It's the gospel. That has not changed. The delivery is done by faithful brothers and faithful sisters who reach out to those around them. Whether we're talking about preachers or we're talking about reaching out to our neighbors, we are still the messengers, but the message is still determined by God, just as it was during the time of Jonah there in chapter 3 and verse 2. In verse 3, the Bible says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. You could say this time, right? He finally obeys and goes to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord, that is, according to God's command, he arose and he went. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. That means it took three days to go across it. And there's a lot of different people who will debate about you know, how, how large it was. We'll talk about how he began to enter the city on certain days. We'll find here in a moment. In all reality, I think that's putting our focus somewhere where, where it doesn't really belong. We understand it was a massive city that had a lot of people. Chapter 4, the last part of chapter 4 tells us, God tells us, there was a lot of souls there, right? I don't think we have to waste our time debating about the size of the city. There were souls there who needed to hear the message which was Jonah's job to bring. In verse 4, the Bible says, And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and then the vote shall be overthrown. I have my doubts that that was the entire message, but that was the gist of it, wasn't it? Forty days, I'm going to paraphrase it into 2021 language, forty days to repent or you're all going to die, basically, is what the message was, wasn't it? The city that's overthrown is, is the city that's going to be destroyed. I've never heard of a city or a place being overthrown and it's still left standing. No, it is destroyed. It is beaten down. It is battered at the very least. And so we find here in verse 4, he went in he, and he told them, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. We continue reading. We look at verse 5. For example, we find repentance and Jonah's and Jehovah's rather mercy. Jehovah's mercy. You look at verse five and following. Here the Bible says, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed to fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. That tells us that everyone, everyone believed Jonah's words that came from God. And the Bible tells us there in verse five that the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Sackcloth was something you put on in mourning. Many times, as we find here during a time of repentance, sackcloth was not a very comfortable thing to be wearing. If you ever picked up some of those old bags that we have produce in, some of them are made with sackcloth, you don't want to put that on you. I never like picking those things up because I feel like every time I pick one of those up, I feel like my hand just dries out when I, feel, when I pick it up because it's very rough. But can you imagine wearing sackcloth as clothing as we find here in verse 5? Not something that sounds very appealing to me. You don't see those things being sold today. They weren't being sold as clothing back then. They were a sign of mourning. Verse 6 says, Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. I can't think of, read that verse without thinking about what would happen if leaders of the world today who were doing wicked things turned to God. Because that's what's happening in verse 6. 
The Bible tells us there, he arose from his throne and, and laid aside his robe. I think about some of the day he would stand up, take off their tie and their jacket, sit it aside, and go sit down in mourning because of their great sin. A similar idea here in verse 6. Cover himself with sackcloth and set in ashes. Again, mourning over their sin. You notice there in verse 5 and 6, what is the picture that we find? Everyone is repenting. Verse 5. The leaders are repenting. Verse 6, right? We continue reading here, looking at verse 7. And he, that is the king, causes to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his, and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, nor, and do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. The king just told the whole nation to repent. To don't eat anything, don't drink anything. You just sit down and you cry out to God for forgiveness. That's one incredible announcement to be made, isn't it? You know, sometimes we see in newspapers where, where certain leaders have passed certain laws or bills and things, they announce it, they try to detail it in some form in those things. you imagine if you open the paper tomorrow and the leaders were calling for the nation to repent, for everyone to stop what they're doing, basically, and cry out to God for forgiveness of their sins? That's what we find here in verse 8. He says that everyone turned from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Now, remember these words when we get to chapter 4. They are crying out to God. That's the, that's the proclamation given from the king. Verse 9, he says, again, the king here is pictured as speaking. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? They knew if they didn't change, they were going to die. It would seem they also knew they were going to die spiritually, right? Repentance shows you that they were trying to change their lives spiritually. And the king says, who can tell, means no one knows what God's going to do except for God. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger? That tells you how God felt about Nineveh at that time, right? Because their wickedness was so great, he was what he was... Filled with wrath. So that we may not perish there in verse 9. And we find in verse 10 that God, seeing their change, as we're going to get here in a moment, God sees their change here in verse 10. The Bible says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster He had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. Verse 10. He did not do it. Repentance brings mercy, doesn't it? That's the image we find there in chapter 3. They heard the message. They, what, they believed. The Bible says they believed the words of God, right? Does he mention Jonah? This says they believed God. They repented. The king calls on them to cry out to God that he may relent. And in verse 10, they find mercy from God. 
But Jonah has a much different attitude about their actions in chapter 4. Keep in mind that most of chapter 3 is all about the people repenting, isn't it? We find the first four verses is about Jonah being called the second time and going out and preaching. And then verses 5 and following is all about the people's response and repentance taking place, isn't it? From verses 5 through 9 and then verse 10, God relents. And so at least half the chapter there is all about the people coming back to God. But in chapter 4 with Jonah, what do you find? You find a terrible attitude in verse 1, don't you? But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry. He has a big problem, don't you think? Jonah was angry. Go back for a second look and think about from chapter 3. What was Jonah angry about? He was angry with Nineveh, right? As we're going to see here in a moment. But we go back and look at chapter 3. What was Jonah so angry about? The people are repenting. The king declared a fast and told everyone to not eat or drink. He knew just cry out to God. And we look upon Jonah. What does he say? The Bible says he was angry. The Bible says he was, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry. He is upset about Nineveh. It would seem that at the very least that Jonah didn't believe a single word of anything that was being said or done in Nineveh. It would also seem that he doesn't care too much about them. As we mentioned a little bit this morning in our Bible class, it seemed that he didn't love those in Nineveh very much at all. You can make the argument that he didn't care about them one bit. Why would he run away in the first place back in chapter 1? Jonah had a very serious problem. We continue reading here in verses 2 through 5. Notice what else the Bible records for us. So he prayed to the Lord. This is Jonah. Notice this prayer. This is a very unique prayer that Jonah makes. The Bible says, So Jonah, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Does that sound like Jonah believes anything that's going on in Nineveh? No. These are words of sarcasm saying, Look, they're not really repenting. This is what I said would happen, right? That's what Jonah is saying there in verse 2. Was not this what I said when I was in my, still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Why would you say that about a nation that has repented? Who knows the heart of man better than God? Well, Jonah thought he did. Because you look at verse 10 of chapter 3, the Bible tells us that what happened, that God relented. Look at verse 10 of chapter 3. God saw their works, that they turned from their evil ways. Fruits, worthy repentance, right? John the Baptizer talks about that as the Pharisees, right? Come with fruits, bring fruits, worthy repentance. Here, Christ, or rather, God sees that same thing in Nineveh. He saw their works, verse 10 of chapter 3. And they turned on their evil way, and what happened? God relented. And what we find in chapter 4, Jonah thinks he knows more than God. He's upset and says, look, this is what I told you about. They really didn't change at all. That's what his prayer is all about. And he says there in verse, in verse 3, he says, Take my life from me, for it is better for me to, to die than to live. 
Who says such things unless they don't really care about the souls of people? Jonah had a very serious problem. We continue reading, looking at verse 4 and 5. The Bible says, And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? That's a rhetorical question, isn't it? The answer is, No, it's not right for you to be angry. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Question, didn't God just say in verse 10, he returned to relent? And Jonah says, I'm going to go out and build a shelter and wait and see what happens. Did Jonah believe Nineveh? Did he believe he knew better than God? Jonah's judgment said, oh, they're all going to die in their sin because they really didn't repent. But in chapter 3, God saw their works, He saw their, their change, and He relented. Now who knows better, God or Jonah? We continue reading here in verse 5. Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. Think about this for a moment. They have The entire city has been crying out to God, has been having this fast take place, but you go back and look at verses four or chapter four. We find in verses one through five that Jonah is is no doubt very upset about what's taking place. In verse five, he builds a shelter. He's going to wait and watch for the city to basically be destroyed. We're looking at verse six and following. We find next in verse six through verse eight, we find the, what was described as the gourd. Some call it the gourd vine and the worm. This being used as an illustration for what's going to take place, and God's going to use this gourd to teach Jonah a lesson. Looking at verse 6 and following, the Bible says, And the Lord God prepared a, prepared a plant, some translations say a gourd, and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Verse 6, Jonah is grateful for the plant, right? We continue reading, looking at verse 7. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement rather east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, and he wished death for himself, and he said, It's better for me to die than to live. Verses 6 through 8. Jonah thought that it was better for him to die than to live. That's the second time in just a few verses we've seen him say that. Jonah was a very angry person, it would seem, don't you think? He was angry over Nineveh. He was angry over this vine, this plant that had withered and died. But continue reading here in verse 9. Notice how God uses this to teach Jonah a lesson. Look with me at Jonah chapter 4 and verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. That was Jonah's response. What Jonah reveals there in verse 9 is that he cared more about the plant than he did about Nineveh. He was upset about the plant withering and dying. He didn't care about Nineveh dying in their sin. He said, just step back, I'm going to build a shelter, I'm going to watch them from here and see what's going to happen because he didn't believe anything that's going to take place that they're ever going to change at all. 
And so we find here in chapter 4, looking at verse 9, when God asks the question to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry at the plant? He says, it is right for me to be angry even to death. He didn't even care that much about Nineveh. Nineveh was dying in their sins. And what did Jonah do? Chapter 1, he ran away. Chapter 2, he repents. Chapter 3, he finally comes back. But in chapter 4, what do you find? He still doesn't care that much about Nineveh. Doesn't believe their words. Doesn't believe their actions. Even though God, in chapter 3, verse 10, did. And so when God asks this question in verse 9, He says, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? About the plant. Not souls, a plant. And Jonah says, Yes, it's right for me to be angry even to death. What does God say in the final verse of chapter 4? The Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor have made it grow which, which came up in the night and perished in the night. Continue reading here, looking at verse 11. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons? And notice how he describes how off they were. You cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock. You care more about the plan, he said, than you do about the 120 persons who were what in sin. Jonah was more upset about the plant than he was about people dying in their sin. That was the problem with Jonah. Homer Haley, a commentator, points out, he says, Man can complain over things that directly affect him, but shows indifference or even anger over things of greater importance that do not affect him directly. I mean, we get more upset about things that are mundane, but they bother us directly, but we don't care enough about things that are spiritual in nature that affect a lot of other people. Like Jonah, he's more upset about the plant than he was about the 120 souls in Nineveh. Some lessons for us today. God shows mercy to those who repent. God shows mercy to those who repent. We're looking at Jonah chapter 3, looking at verse 5. We find the Bible says the people have heard, they believed, and they repented. Jonah 3 and verse 5. What's sad, some people today still will argue about those same three points. But even during the time of Jonah, they heard, they believed, and they repented. God heard their prayer. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10. God heard their prayer, believed their actions, and relented. Each, each people, the Nineveh, people of Nineveh and God took three steps. Nineveh heard, believed, and repented. God heard their prayer, believed their actions, and relented. Each took three steps. But friends, God will never believe or heard their prayer in the sense that He will never believe their words or believe their actions if they had not heard, believed, and repented. But because they heard, because they believed, because they repented there in verse 5, God heard their prayer, believed their actions, and relented there in verse 10. God shows mercy to those who repent. Our second lesson for this evening we should be hopeful for the change of, of heart of others. We should be hopeful 
for the change of heart of others. We go and look at Jonah chapter 3, verses 10 through chapter 4, verse 4. What do we find? God relented, but in all reality, Jonah did not. Jonah's hard heart did not relent. The last thing we read about Jonah is God doing what? Rebuking him. He tells Jonah, as we close out the book of Jonah, that he cared more about a plant that died in a day than he did about 120 souls of Nineveh. And that's what you find there in Jonah chapter, chapter 3, verse 10, through chapter 4 and verse 4. God relented, but Jonah did not. Jonah did not have that change of heart. He did not believe their words or their actions. He did not believe that they were going to change. He tells, told God, as we find there in verses uh, 2 through 4, Was this not what I told you? And he went up on the hill and waited to see what was going to happen. As we close this evening, we have to ask ourselves a question. <clears throat> as you think about Jonah and his attitude, do we desire men to repent? When I say men, I mean mankind. Do we desire mankind to repent and come back to God? And when men repent, do we believe their words and allow God to be the judge? Because in chapter 4, that's what Jonah did not do. God believed their words in chapter 3 and verse 10. God saw their actions and he relented. But Jonah never did. We cannot be those who are so hard of heart, so uncaring and so selfless that we do not allow ourselves to see others who have repented of their sins. Because, friends, if their repentance is insincere, who's the first person who's going to deal with them? God will be. So when we have people today, we're talking about a person or persons who come forward or come and ask for repentance, ask, pray for repentance before, for, uh, from God, pray, ask for prayers from the church, let's be those who are kind-hearted enough, unlike Jonah, to believe their words. And allow God to be the judge of those people. You think God would have relented in chapter 3 if those people were not sincere? If God was not a caring and loving and merciful God? We, would not have, we wouldn't read about how God relented if He wasn't merciful. We would have read instead about how Nineveh was overthrown because they didn't heed the words of God. But in chapter 3, that's not what you find. You find people hearing God's word, believing his word, repenting, and God relenting. So let's not be like Jonah, who has, who has such a hard heart that we don't relent in our feelings towards others and realize that it is possible for mankind to repent. While men may falter at times, we ought to, pray, we ought to hope and pray for their hearts and actions to change. Jonah did not desire for, for Nineveh to change. We don't read about him praying to God that they will change. Instead, we find in chapter 4, what did he say? He said, look, nothing's changed. When God had already decided in chapter 3 that things had changed. What's interesting is you think about Jonah is he was convinced that Nineveh did not change. When in reality, who was the one who did not change? Jonah. A man caught in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. In chapter 4, what do you find? Sadly, not much had changed. But you know, God gave Jonah a second chance. But Jonah wasn't willing to do the same for Nineveh. 
Let's not be like Jonah in that way. Let us be those who have a kind heart, a loving heart, who want to see mankind repent and believe that they can and they will do so.